Hello, it's Natalia Lloyd and welcome to my podcast, Beehive Household. As part of my interior design business, my first chat with my clients is a deep dive into their lifestyle and daily routines to be able to understand how they use their homes. And this is where the idea for this podcast came from. So subscribe and listen to find out about the daily routines of my extraordinary guests, their mindset, their choice of interiors, but most importantly, how their life at home sustains their success and much, much more. My guest today is Khadija Khalifa, who is best known for being a finalist on Lot Sugar's reality TV show, The Apprentice in 2018. After that life-changing experience, she became a serial entrepreneur, blogger, motivational speaker, business mentor and consultant. Setting up an award-winning brand, Keeping It Real with Khadija, she has helped over 30 businesses to scale with consultancy and mentorship support, trained entrepreneurs in marketing and podcasting, and was voted a top 10 motivational speaker in 2019. And all these achievements whilst being a devoted mother to three little girls, with the youngest being only a couple of months old. We recorded this interview with Khadija in the midst of the first lockdown and with Khadija being pregnant with her third daughter, so we did it over Zoom. And since then, Khadija has opened a soft play cafe full of beans born just outside of Peterborough where she lives. Today we are going to peek behind the closed doors of Khadija's home life, her relationships with her close ones, her wins and also the challenges that she has faced and is still dealing with. Khadija, thank you for joining us on Beehive Household. Thank you for having me. What a, lo- what a lovely intro. Well, see, um, you strike me as a very determined, persistent and hardworking human who knows exactly what she wants and not afraid to voice her opinion. So in your own words, keeping it all very real and down to earth. And I like that about you. So what I'd like to find out is more about your life in the comfort of your own home with your friends and family. So you live in Peterborough. Please, can you start with setting the scene for us? Tell us what your house is like and who you live with. Uh, well, I live just outside of Peterborough in a village. Um, so about 15 minutes away. Uh, I live with my partner, Simon, and two girls. Our house is, um, I love grey, so most things are grey. My sofas are grey, crushed velvet or crushed velvet, whatever you call it. My bed's the same. Literally, you'd think that I got them from the same shop, but I didn't. Um, The flooring is like grey tiles, quite quirky. Uh, Yeah, to be honest, my house is just grey galore. Grey and white, everything. The girls' room is obviously pink and, um, yeah, mainly grey, grey and white. Well, grey is very in, so, and it's easy to decorate. Thing is, the grey is in now, but I started with the grey about six years ago when people were only just, like, maybe the cushion velvet was coming in and we haven't upgraded our furniture yet. Now I feel like I need to be ahead of the trend and get on the next thing because I'm a bit over it now, you know? You certainly have been six years ago, so, yeah. Keep setting the trends. It's time to upgrade, I think. Definitely. So how important is the interior of your house for you? Would you seek the help of an interior designer or would you do it yourself? I mean, I've done it all myself, but that's just because I didn't pay myself for four years in my cleaning business. So I didn't really have the money 
for the luxury of an interior designer. Um, we are, we've just made an offer on another house actually, and it's going to be a renovation project. So that's definitely something I'd like to help, help with an interior designer. I quite like picking the things myself, looking on Pinterest. Um, what's it called? Is it Architectural Digest? Is that it? I follow the Kardashians. You know, the Kardashians, they have lots of quirky pieces in their houses. So yeah. I love all of this stuff. I think the thing is, though, you know, when you're busy or when you're putting all your money in your business or when you've got kids and things to spend on, the house sometimes is on the back burner. So I see so many things that I would like to buy, but then I think it's not a priority, so I won't do it now. Um, but yeah. when we get our new house, yeah, we will definitely, I'll be getting a bit excited picking all the fun stuff. Well, Martin Bullard is, is the designer for most of the Kardashians houses oh nice. maybe that's the way to go <laughs> uh, <contact him. laughs> okay. so what are your most and least favorite parts of your house the playroom i oh. hate it no yes. matter i i love it i love it because i would love to have had that when i was younger um okay. but it never ever stays clean or organized um I think often maybe I'll find like a crisp or a bit of orange under the play mat that, you know, it hasn't been picked up. Um, so playroom is my biggest bugbear. Um, my favorite room, I think it's got to be my bed. Like I just, I love working in my bed. I, Simon hates it, but I would eat in my bed. <laughs> love my bed. So bedroom favorite, playroom least favorite. So what is your household like? Who is the boss? always me <laughs> somehow i knew that <laughs> i'm always the boss even the dog doesn't listen to anyone but me <laughs> How, what does the simon think of that <laughs> he's here now we're in the car so i just said and daddy no no just mum. <laughs> love it what does your daily routine look like how has it evolved through different stages of your life uh, well, the school one was a huge change and tra transition last year. Um, I think I took for granted how easy it was to sit in your pyjamas all day with the kids and just, you know, watch CBBs and do your work and take them out with you. At the time, when they're at home, you think, oh, I can't wait for them to go to school because I've got things to do. But then um, when they're at school, equally, you know, your whole day has to be worked around the school run. I, d I went through period where I had um, Talia's nursery, you know, picking Surreya up and stuff. But then I felt like she was missing out on mummy picking her up from and dropping her. So I tried to do every school run every day, which is pretty intense. And it's probably something I could leverage, but I prefer, I feel more hands-on as a mum if I do the school run. Makes you feel good about that duty, yeah. parental duty that you have to I give. Like yeah, exactly. I totally relate to that. Definitely. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you've got a lot on your plate, but do you have time for any hobbies? Yeah, so to be honest, my only hobby really is making money. Um, I love to just work, work, work. It sounds sad, but I enjoy it. We like to go to David Lloyd, me and the kids, we like going to swimming. Um, and other than that, I guess my only other hobby would be watching the Kardashians. So <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> I can see where inspiration is coming from. Um, yeah, you've you've got another girl on the way. I'm basically Chris Jenner, the you're Kardashians' mum. You're basically you're basically Chris Jenner. I mean, it's all coming. Keep it keeping keeping up with Khadija. So, what do you like doing the most and the least whilst being at home? 
I hate doing any housework or anything to do with housework, which is why I created a cleaning company so that I could get my own cleaning company to come and clean my house. I hate putting the washing away. I hate unpacking food shopping. What do I like doing? Um, I like playing with the kids. We did a puzzle the other day. Um, and I like sitting on my bum with my laptop on my knees and working and watching telly. <laughs> that sounds good. Sounds very real as well. I very like real. Very real. So would I be right in saying that participation in The Apprentice in 2018 became not only pivotal for your business career, but also for your lifestyle and relationships? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it gave me a lot more confidence in myself and my ability in business. So, I mean, since launching Keep It Real with Khadija in September last year, I've generated over £100,000 in revenue. And that's been through motivating and mentoring and consulting other people. I don't think I ever would have had the confidence to do that before if it wasn't for The Apprentice, to be honest. That's right. Yeah. So now, as I've mentioned, The Apprentice, you left your home for 11 weeks to take part in the show. How yeah. did, well, due to your success, you've stayed there for that long. Could have been yeah. shorter, but there you go. You've done it so well. How did like, you and the girls take it being part of, um, a part for so long? She was, when I went on The Apprentice, Soraya was three, about to turn four, and Talia was just about to turn two. I don't really think they noticed, well, obviously they missed me, but I'd organized, yeah, so I'd sorted out a child binder, everything was sorted. Simon is great with them, so, you know, he was good. We have a really supportive family, and so they were there to help. Um... But yeah, all in all, it was harder for me, I think, um, being away from them. Um, you weren't even allowed pictures of your children. And um, so I snuck in a key ring and every night, they could go there. So every night I would uh, look at this key ring before I went to sleep because it was quite, yeah, it was really intense for me. So <laughs> you also got to experience a different type of household there where you were not just living with complete strangers, but also with a lot of cameras watching you. What was that like? Yeah. Um, I, I didn't mind the cameras when I was on task. I didn't like the cameras in the morning when you'd wake up and they'd be in your face. Um, also, you know, I'm very upfront. So after the second task, I kind of told them, don't put that camera in my face again because you're not getting anything from me. And then they just stopped doing it. So uh, <laughs> yeah, they knew I was not operating early morning camera in my face is just not my thing <laughs> <laughs> love it straight on exactly what you're thinking were there any daily habits or routines on, of other candidates that you've been inspired to adopt for yourself or um maybe the opposite well they should adopt all of my habits because i'm amazing <laughs> um <laughs> uh their habits that's a good question. I 
realized that I probably needed to take more time in like doing my makeup and stuff in the mornings. I'm a huge fan of like au naturel. My hair's always au naturel. I don't put much, you know, if I've got a spot or something, I'll put a little bit of makeup. But the girls, they went in, I mean, almost suitcases full of makeup. And it's just not, I've always been a bit of a tomboy. It's not really my thing. But actually, yeah. since the shop, since building my brand, I am start maybe now because I have more time, my kids are a bit older, but I have started taking a bit more pride in my appearance. Not today, but it is the weekend. Um, but I have, I try to spend a bit more time, like just, I bought some iconic London makeup and I tried to like learn stuff. So maybe I've adopted from them to be a bit more girly, um, which yeah. I wasn't really fussed about before. Oh, a good one. So, w- was there anything that you looked at and said, "Oh, this is this is not what I'm going to do ever," or something that you completely disliked? A little bit of yeah. gossip from ins- insider gossip from the Apprentice House. Yeah, Jackie's behaviour, and I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't hide my feelings about that. I'm a very straight up person. Um, I don't lie. I am not sly. I've been brought up this way. You know, my dad's Muslim. So there's certain things in Islam that, you know, you should never lie or talk behind people's backs and things like that. And look, I'm not perfect, but I try my best to not do things like that. Um, Mm. So to be in a house with somebody that quite obviously was either playing a game or just manipulative by nature was very uncomfortable for me. Even worse, we shared a bedroom. So we'd be in the boardroom the day before and I'd be outing how manipulative she was and then the next morning waking up and, you know, we had to be civil. The good thing though, and I've got to give it to Jackie and to all of us, we were very professional in my year. I've heard that the year after there was a lot of cattiness, uh, the years before, a lot of drama in the house. Whatever drama we had on task, or however we felt about each other, it never really came back to the house. There was no like bully, mean girl behavior. It was all very professional. That's amazing. That's exactly what you want because you live with those people and 11 weeks is a long time. And there was very obvious on screen that you and Jackie did not get on. I didn't know you had the bedroom. That's uh, intense. There was only one time when I heard her say something to Daniel. I think it was before the gardening task. We were in the kitchen or dining room and she said something to Daniel under her breath. Like, you know what I'm trying to do? Work with me here. And it was like, and the day before she'd given me a bit of uh, ag on one of the tasks. So I'm not stupid. You know, I think sometimes people think because I'm so straight talking that, oh, maybe she doesn't know what she's talking about or because I don't use big words. Maybe she's not as articulate as we would like. Um, but my, I'm very streetwise and I have a lot of common sense and I can read people. Um, so when I saw that happen, I did have a meltdown in front of production and I said, if you don't sort this out, I'm off. I'm not doing it anymore. Um, I'm not having all this sly behavior. I'm here to win £250,000. I think the, the thing with Jackie was that she already had made quite a lot of money. So she was more there for the experience where right. the restaurants were there to win this investment and grow our businesses. So it was important to us. Um, but look, no hard fe- I have no hard feelings for Jackie now. I respect her as a business person. Um, we just, you know, we're not going around each other's house for dinner. It's not that kind of thing. Safe to say that's <laughs> not happening, no. That's not happening. <laughs> so who, who is coming around for dinner from the Apprentice crew? You know what? 
Well, everyone, I, I, even with my podcast launch last year, I, um, I invited Jackie. Um, they're all invited. I love them all. I mean, Coyote is like, I call her my brother from another mother. Sean <laughs> one. She is literally like my best friend. Um, Camilla, who came second, we keep, we're so close as well. She's one of my besties. Sarah Ann, she, um, she's helped me a lot with legal things and business since the show. Jasmine. Me and Jasmine are really close. Uh, all the boys, Tom, Daniel. So we, I had a really good year, to be honest. I like all of them. Um, even Jackie. We just we just don't get on in that kind of environment. But it's not a natural environment to be in, to be honest. So we were both uncomfortable. Well, it's an it's, um, uncomfortable environment, but also brings everything out of you, whether it's a good or bad thing. So you ultimately it will show your true face and I guess yeah you're very different people you two for sure yeah so I'm, I'm I, I like a bit of apprentice I mentioned that to you before and uh, but I did miss the uh, 2018 one so I had to rewatch it to make sure I'm prepared for this I enjoyed it oh. I enjoyed it so how did yeah. you and those who those close to you um handle your post-apprentice success I mean, it's still weird now, if I'm honest. I'm opening this cafe and I have people message me like, oh my God, I'm your biggest fan. And uh, we went to Dubai in February and while we were there, three people recognized me. Um, all of Soraya's teachers, most of them watched me. Um, it's crazy. I'm just, I'm just a normal person, you know? I just like to work hard. I've got to be honest, it's opened a lot of doors. It's given me um, this credibility. And I've loved it. I've loved people coming up to me asking for a selfie. I've really enjoyed it, like a duck to water. Amazing. What about your closest ones? How did Simon take it? And um, your parents, your girls, did they understand what was happening? The girls love it. The girls, we watched me again the other day, so we run episodes on Daily Motion. Um, they absolutely loved it. They, they, what Talia actually said to my friend the other day, um, were you on TV? Were you, have you been on TV? Like, it's just a natural thing now. They just think like people just go on TV. Um, <laughs> Simon, you know what? I think it really helped mine and Simon's relationship. Like, it's no, I don't hide the fact that before um, Talia was born, Simon and I went through a really hard time. We separated, um, well, all in all, it was about a year actually on and off we were separated for. Um, and I think there was a lot of pressure from my cleaning business. I wasn't paying myself. I was fini financially dependent on him. Um, every month I was asking him to put money in payroll and um, so that I could cover the bills for the staff because I made some silly business decisions like loads of overheads and I didn't really know business that well. Um, so there was a lot of pressure on our relationship and yeah, we separated for, for on and off a year. Um, after the show, to be honest, the last when when did it stop december 2018 so the last 18 months have been great like i think it gave him he looked at me in a different light like oh hold on she is pretty good at this stuff and more confident in my abilities and my decisions um because i mean if lord sugar says that i'm good then you can't really argue you know so he exactly. has no 
but to believe in me now. Um, so it really has, yeah. I think I always craved for him to see business like I did, but he isn't that mindset and that's fine. Not everyone is. Um, but it caused a lot of frustration in our relationship. Now he's much more willing to be like, okay, you know what? I trust you. Let's do it. So yeah, it's good. You've got credibility in his eyes because yes, I, I know that, um, there used to be some turbulence and it, it's good to see that adding this extra dimension to your character actually brings out a different, um, different type of feelings in your partner boyfriend husband so that's um it, it's definitely a massive plus what about your parents so my mom yeah my mom she thought like crazy super proud showed everybody at school my in-laws uh, at school sorry at the hospital where she works um yeah. my in-laws um, I'm very close with them Simon's parents they came to the your fired show etc I mean, they're, they're so supportive of me. They were always supportive of me. But now, again, I think you just notice that people, I don't know, they're more trusting in your decision-making skills. You know, if I had to make decisions on a show like The Apprentice, now people are just more comfortable. If I said to them, listen, I'm going to build a rocket and I'm going to go to the moon tomorrow, they would pretty much know that I'm going to do it. Yeah. They will be, they will be happy to be on the, in, in the seat next to you. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas it I think in business, it takes a long time. There's a lot of naysayers and usually they're the ones that are closest to you and it's not their fault, but they're just not used to it. Like if they're not in business or they've not taken these risks and they've grown up, you know, most people grow up thinking you go to school, then you go to university, then you should get a good job. And when you go into business, there's a lot of people around you that are going to say, oh, that's not going to work. Or are you sure about that? Now, since the show, I guess no one dares to say anything to me because they know I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've got credibility for sure. That brings a bit of responsibility for people that trust you and follow you. And, um, and so it's, it's great and something to think about. And um, your, so your relationship with your mom um, when you were younger was quite um, turbulent and on and off. Um, yeah. Is it now... Um, what is it like? Uh, now, much better. Since I became a mum, I think, you know, things got better. Um, my mum's way of life when I was younger, it's very different to the way my life is now. Uh, she struggled. She didn't work. She was a single mum. And I think as a 15-year-old, this is maybe when my entrepreneurial flair started. Obviously, my mum struggled financially. She didn't work. She was at home a lot with her friends, drinking coffee in the kitchen. And then when the bills would come each month, you know, she would be stressed and depressed. So I... I guess as a 15-year-old, I, I used to think like, but why don't you just change it? I've always had this mindset, like, why don't you just change it though? Why don't mm. you just go to work? Or why don't you just learn to sell stuff? Or why don't you, I don't know, that, you know, that's just the, the way my mind is. Like, I've always been like that. If I don't have money to pay bills, I'll find money to pay bills because I work hard. When I was at university, I had three jobs. You know, there's like, I I have this, 
mindset that you can't play the victim. You can't, you know, bad things happen in people's lives and you have to just get over it and keep moving forward. And I think that's why me and my mum clashed because her personality is more of the, oh, it's not fair. Oh, I, I didn't get that. I don't have this. And I just don't have the tolerance for that. I grew up with nothing, you know, really. I left school, I did my A-levels, I went to uni, I did it all on my own. No one gave me anything. So mm. I just, even that like victimizing mentality. Um, now I'm older, listen, I understand that people are different. And my mum works at the hospital now. She works really long hours. I'm able to help her financially if she needs it. So that makes me happy. Um, I guess I'm more tolerable when I was a teenager. I didn't understand why you would need to be like that. But now I'm older, I can tolerate it more. Um, so yeah, we get on much better. That's amazing. So it, it, it's something that you have that a lot of people, I guess, um, uh, do not possess this lack of, um, what's the best way of describing it? It's, uh, it's more or less, almost like a mental block. So you have an open mind, you know, you can do it. And this is admirable and really inspirational. And this is why um, those, you know, 30 businesses you helped with or um, the Facebook groups that you run and um, everything else that you do helps young entrepreneurs and even established businesses to progress and evolve and get to the next level. So that's, that's fantastic. Um, so what's your relationship like with your dad? Uh, so my dad, um, well, we, so my biological dad, I've never met. He, um, him and my mum separated when I was six weeks old. Um, and my dad has, who I call dad has raised me since I was six weeks, uh, six months old. Um, so I've always called him dad. Um, we, it's been on and off. My dad is very strong-willed, like me. I think I, you know, people say some, some traits are genetic and some are how you're raised. Mm. I was very close to my dad during my teenage years. He's a very strict Muslim. So a lot of the ways in which I think are more like my dad. Um, so we were very close when I was a teenager, even when I was in university. And then he, he remarried. And obviously I met Simon and I have my family and he had more children. So we kind of drifted a little bit. Um, but I'm happy to say that now, yeah, we're pretty close. He lives in Buckinghamshire, so I don't get to see him all the time. But we'll stay in touch and the kids like to send him a video. Um, and if I ever need guidance or whatever, he's a really good mentor. He's very wise, very level-headed. And so I'm really grateful for having him in my life, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, no, it's pretty good. It's, it's, it's good to hear as, because your parents separated when you were just eight. Yeah, it? yeah. Yeah, exactly. So they separated when I was eight and I'm the four. So I think there was a lot of pressure on me to like try to help mum and be like another parent, I guess. Mm. Um, and in a way, I'm grateful for that because it means that I'm wiser beyond my years. I, you know, most of my friends are a lot older than me. I, um, I grew up maybe a lot quicker than I should have had, should have done, but I'm grateful for it. Because it just means that I'm achieving things that most people don't achieve until later on in life, you know? Fair enough. Yeah, I totally agree with that. There's um, definitely a wisdom in you that um, 
that I can see. Um, so I wanted to touch the subject of something that you talked about in other interviews, your anxieties. So something that you deal behind closed doors at home, your uh, mainly health anxiety. Um, how, how do you cope with that? I mean, I don't always cope, to be honest. Um, so when Soraya was born, she was born, uh, basically she, she got stuck and she was starved of oxygen and she was at risk of cerebral palsy. Um, she was part of a trial for two years from UCLH in London and they would come to the house in Peterborough, by this point we'd moved home and they would check her mobility skills, et cetera, et cetera. I think ever since then, for the first year of her life, I used to have this overwhelming fear that I was going to drop her um, and that I was going to drop her on her head because she had brain damage when she was born. I had this um, horrible dream once that I dropped her and she like crumbled like a plate on the floor. And it sounds horrific. And it was horrific. I woke up in the morning traumatized um and i couldn't stop thinking about it for about four or five days and it's because she was born so fragile um that obviously i was so worried but then when you are going through post-traumatic stress like that or postnatal anxiety and depression and when you don't know that that's what you have you start to question your ability or if you're sane so i used to ask simon all the time am i thinking of hurting her is that why I keep dreaming like this? Am I crazy? Like, am I not normal? I used to, yeah, it's so scary. And when you're a new mum, you know, I was only 24, nearly 25. You're a new mum. You don't, re and when I asked all my friends that had children or had just had children, how they were feeling, they were fine. So then I thought I was even more crazy because no one was telling me how they really felt or I didn't know anybody that was going through anything like it. So this is why I'm so open about what I went through, because if anybody has a baby now and they start to have these weird, crazy thoughts, that is not weird or crazy. Actually, it's postnatal anxiety and depression, and it's so normal. When Soraya was 12 months old, I got to the point where I thought I could, these dreams are driving me insane. You know, I'm having these nightmares. I'm waking up in the morning. I'd started the cleaning business. I was trying to keep busy, and these dreams were really affecting me. So I went to my doctor, and I had the best GP Dr. Pace. And he said, Khadija, if you had asthma, I'd give you an inhaler. Um, if you had diabetes, I'd give you insulin. You have post-traumatic stress disorder and postnatal anxiety, which is completely normal considering what you went through with your daughter. Mm -hmm. I'm going to prescribe medication. And I'm also going to give you this book called Mindfulness. And, um, and I left that doctor's appointment and I read that book. I never took the tablets at that point. And I felt so much better. Just the doctor telling me that I was normal made me feel like a huge weight was lifted. Um, and then I guess, you know, what happened with Simon when I was pregnant with Tali, I found out he'd had an affair. So that wobbled me again. And then my life has been really busy and things. So I was on um, antidepressants, a low dose, for about a year. Um, just before the time of The Apprentice, actually, and I think after as well, for a little bit. Um, but before I planned to get pregnant again, I stopped taking them. And so with hormones and lockdown and everything else, my anxiety has been high. Um, 
but I've realized that there's ways that I can channel it without needing the medication necessarily. But I'm also open to the fact that if I get to the point where I feel like I can't cope and I have a really good GP, um, that I will happily go on medication again. I used to be afraid or that it was like I was weak if I went on medication because my mum's always been on it. Um, okay. But now, look, if you need it, you need it. And if it helps you, and like you said, I have health anxiety. Since becoming a mum, I just always worry that I'm going to get an illness. I'm going to die. My kids are not going to have me, you know. And that's a very natural thing that mums are going to think because you've got a lot of responsibility. So if I start to overthink or, or get het up on, I mean, I have a little spot on my leg, literally on my calf. It's an ingrowing, where an ingrowing hair was or something. <laughs> For maybe the last three weeks, I've been obsessing over this spot. Like, oh my God, what is it every night? Oh my God. So I went to the doctors yesterday. She said, Khadija, it's just an ingrown hair. I'm not worried. You're fine. I've got a great doctor. I said to her, you sure? You sure? Can I ask you four times? You're sure? She said, Khadija, you're fine. So now I feel better. But it's just one of them things I have to live with and I have yeah. to learn to cope with, you know? Yeah, 100%. So how do you manage to channel it? Is it... I don't know, meditation, is it just talking to yourself even more? Or how do you, how do you at the moment, because there's no medical support, you're obviously pregnant, and um, it's so much going on in your life, in all honesty. Um, and having two young girls and daughters, um, how, how do you go? How do you, how do you actually channel it? So maybe for people that listen to this podcast and maybe can relate to it or suffer from the same thing, what is your main tip? Honestly, people say to me, Khadija, you're so busy, like you need to slow down. My anxiety is worse when I slow down. Right. If I keep busy, if I keep active, if I have projects, if I have things to look forward to, if I have, you know, I just got business investment for my cafe, 50,000 pounds. I have all these things. If I've got things with the kids, if I you know, going on more holidays helps me, being able to do fun things, see the world. If my life is busy and active and I have really fun stuff happening all the time, I'm good. If I slow down and I've got too much time to think, that's when my anxiety is worse. So someone like me that has anxiety, slowing down or taking it easy is actually detrimental to my mental health. And what makes me what makes me happy or, or keeps me at peace is being busy. And then at the end, in the evening, eating nicely with my family, watching something on TV. I like to watch a lot of comedies. So comedies keep me, keep my anxiety at bay. If I watch a comedy before I go to sleep, that's good because I go to sleep happy. I don't watch the news. I don't care to watch the news. I don't watch the news. It, it won't help me. If I watch it and some, someone's dying or something's happened, it's not going to help me. I try to keep on top of, you know, business topics. Um, but all in all, I try to avoid that kind of stuff. I just, I, I guess I kind of live in my little bubble and that's what helps me, you know? And that's, and that's the recipe for your success. So whatever works, there's no, you're right, there's no one um, one rule for everyone and um, it sounds like what may get um, what may actually help you to get another medical degree not another one but actually to get a medical degree to understand every single thing that can go wrong in your health 
But uh, but then equally, Natalia, I think then every time I'll be like, oh, this, this, this. I've self-diagnosed. Yeah, I've self-diagnosed myself a couple of times. Like uh, after I had Talia, um, my throat started swelling, and I started getting really tired and really breathless. And my mum and sister have underactive thyroid, and I remember going to the GP. I didn't get to see my GP, this was a different one, and saying, I think I've got underactive thyroid. And they said, no, no, you haven't. Like, you wouldn't get this lump in your throat. I said, look, my family have it. I'm pretty sure I've got it. They did the blood test. I loved looking in the doctor's face when, I, when the blood test came back that I did have underactive thyroid. That's one thing I would say to people as well, um, and one thing I like to be an advocate for, is if you think something's not right in your body, don't listen to people. I mean, Simon's the worst. He'll say to me, you're fine. Don't worry. You're fine. That doesn't help me because he's not a doctor. So if you feel that you need to get it checked out, do that. If it makes you sleep easy, that's my thing. I own it. And, you know, and that's what I do. There you go. That's a good one. So coming back to your house, to the actual the way you run the household, who have been the most famous house guests were the ones that required a lot of effort? <laughs> I mean, I think the only one that ever requires a lot of effort is your mother-in-law. <laughs> make a lot of effort for. Um, most famous house guest. I mean, not, not been to my house, but I've been to her house, Linda Plant from The Apprentice. Oh, she yes. invited me our house to record her on the podcast in my i don't really have too many people come to my house to be honest i think because your house is your your home so i don't have a lot of people i mean sean no sean hasn't even been to my house no not really many famous people i, I think your house is for your family and your close friends other people um, i, I eat them you know in a in a business setting or in a cafe or in a studio or in an office um yeah, I don't really think I've had... I mean, even Katie Price, when I interviewed her, that was at Loose Women's Studios. Amy Childs came to my podcast launch. Uh, Grenade, Alan Barrett, that was a Zoom call. I mean, technically, he was in my house because he was on uh, the laptop, but he wasn't actually in my house. Um, but yeah, I've interviewed some really amazing celebrities and things, just never really in my house, no. Have you tried to get Lord Sugar to your podcast? I haven't yet. I thought what I'm going to do is I'm going to smash it with this cafe and I've got Linda and Claude and a couple of other people in the pipeline. Andrew um, Block, who's Lord Sugar's PR manager, he's been on my podcast. So what I'm going to do is just make a bit more money and then pitch it to Lord Sugar that he needs to come on. That sounds like a good plan. <laughs> good luck with that. So... Speaking of home parties, house parties, do you have those happening? What are the most awkward situations if you do do those? What are the most awkward situations that happened? So I always have parties for Soraya and Talia's birthdays. Obviously, this year was different. Um, June and July, their birthdays are, so they're usually, you know, sunny, so we'll have a barbecue or something. Um, I never really find those things awkward. I love having family around. I love having, um, I love hosting. 
I love having everyone like close to me in the house. I don't really, I mean, I own a cleaning company. So the house is always spotless before people come because I get the cleaners in the day before. I guess the only awkward thing is um, that my dog likes to sniff people's butts. So when they come back... Um, but yeah, no, other than that, I don't find, I don't find any social gatherings awkward. I love them. Amazing. So yeah, so you've, you've mentioned you've reopened your cleaning business, which you came to The Apprentice with, Opal and Pearl Limited, and you yep. will be opening a cafe in Peterborough full of beans born. Yeah, just outside, about 20 minutes away. So now a quick, um, blitz questions. For you yeah the top book recommendations on mindset and success oh well Rob Moore is a good friend of mine and a mentor I love a lot of his books life leverage life um, because his book life leverage it made me realize that there was a bunch of stuff that I was doing like housework that actually I didn't need to be doing because my time was spent better elsewhere more productive elsewhere um, so life leverage would be my number one. Um, to be honest, books, I don't really read a lot of books. I more watch things or listen to podcasts. But um, I watched a Netflix documentary. Tony Robbins did a Netflix, Netflix series thing. I watched that a couple of weeks ago, actually. That was really empowering. Um, I like listening to Jordan Belfort, Wolf of Wall Street, and Grant Cardone. I like listening to those. Um, obviously, the Kardashians, I've mentioned them enough. I know some like them, but what they're doing and building an empire, I like. Um, and I watch a lot of like Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Real Housewives of Orange County. I like seeing what businesses they're doing, they've got, uh, what houses they live in, what cars they're driving. I like Lisa Vanderpump from The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I have like a collective and obviously local entrepreneurs and people that I follow and look up to. Um, but, yeah. Very wide spectrum. But Rob Moore would be very pleased. I, um, I'm, I'm part of his um, mentorship programs as well. So I'm sure he'd be very flattered. Yeah, yeah. So household tasks that you'd like to outsource? everything <laughs> anything Every to keep <laughs> no, no I don't want to keep every single household task I would like to outsource I'm with you on that <laughs> <laughs> favorite meal of the day and why favorite meal hmm I usually don't have breakfast until like I have like a brunch um I, it's just a thing I've always done it my whole life I just don't really like breakfast that much um so I think my favorite meal is usually around like 11 12 o'clock um it could be brunch. anything brunch yeah mm. I might be out in the car and I'll just get like a croissant or I mean when things are normal go into um a restaurant or yeah, I think that's my favorite meal. By the time it gets to the evening, I'm pretty tired. I can't be bothered to make anything. So, yeah, I think brunch is my favorite meal. Sounds good. Top choice for celebrity house guest? Hmm. Good question. 
Who do I want to come to my house? Chris Jenner. No? I, yeah, I was thinking... <laughs> then I was thinking, let me try and do make somebody a bit more... I would love Richard Branson to come to my house. Okay, I yeah. do like Branson. I like his ethos. I mean, I know he's a bit of a ladies' man, so I don't know much about that. I don't really look into that, but... I've got a lot of questions that I want to ask, things that he's done. He's one of those people who the sky is literally the limit. He creates rockets to go into space. Like this guy would be a pretty cool house guest. So Richard Branson, I think. And obviously, sugar. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, I've recently read the last book of um, Richard Branson. Um, is it Finding Virginity? I think that one was. Um, really great. Admire him a lot. And the last one is, oh, have I got you here? Yes. Yep. Yep. Your dream house and location. Oh, can I have more than one? Totally. Okay, so I want one in Dubai, one in um, Morocco, because I'm half Moroccan, yes. one in um, Beverly Hills, and then one, actually, we're, we're buying, we've made an offer on a house and we're buying a house that once we do the work to it, that could be my dream house locally. Um, and, you know, it's around all our family and stuff. So, yeah, those, those houses. I'd have really quirky things inside. I'm into industrial lighting at the minute. I really like that look, like those industrial bulbs. Um, style. Yeah, so each house would have a different theme, I guess. But, yeah, those four. Amazing. So Khadija, thank you for being a fantastic guest and I'm looking forward to hearing the baby news and also next time I'm in Peterborough to have a latte in full of beans born. Yeah, you're welcome anytime and you can bring your children too. I absolutely will. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it a lot. You're so welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beehive Household Podcast. Please don't forget to like, leave your review and share with your friends and family. For more information on the design services we offer, visit our website www.natalialloydinteriors.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook under Natalia Lloyd Interiors as well as LinkedIn. Bye now till the next episode. Look after yourselves and your loved ones.